1: Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer is Ryan Buds. Hello, Ryan. What up, PA? Oh, no, 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 no. No, we're not doing that. Let's take that again. Uh, Hey, joining me (laughs) as podcast producer is Ryan Buds.
0: Hello, Overlord Alessandra. <laughs> okay, that's better.
1: All right. Um, also, as our guest is to- Tanya. <laughs> oh, see, now I screwed. <laughs> no I'm going to screw it up again. <laughs> Tanya. Oh man, Tanya. <laughs> it's okay. Pronounce your last Bat- name. Battacheria. Battacheria. Bat- Bat- Tanya Battacheria is currently a writer, co-producer on NBC's The Night Shift, and formerly wrote on TNT's Perception. The Client List at Lifetime and on USA's Fairly Legal with her writing partner, Ali Leventhal. They, she is repped by ICM Partners, and uh, the duo are former NBC Writers on the Verge fellows. Um, she was also a Fox Writers Intensive fellow, and she has been a writing instructor for 10 years. She launched Script Anatomy in 2010, which is a unique TV writing curriculum designed to give emerging professionals practical development, writing, and rewriting tools to help advance their craft. So we got, we got a, a teacher here and a writer, and I'm very, very happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming in. I'm sorry I screwed up your name.
2: No, it's no problem at all. And most people do. And I have to spell it and it takes forever. But thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So uh, so the night shift, it's going well, right? Yeah, it's going really well. It's a good job. I'll just say that. Um, because not all jobs are good jobs. But this one is wonderful and the staff is lovely and the showrunner is the nicest guy. Both of them. There's two of them. And uh, I'm enjoying it, which is good. And you're, uh, you're uh, also on staff is Dr. Zach um, yes. for, for people who listened
1: to Zach who talked about being a medical consultant. So he's um, on staff uh, with Tanya. Yes. And I'm very excited. that like Now I know two people on the yeah, show. Yeah, I know he, you he, do. I can just
2: name drop all over the place. Yeah, either. you'll have to meet my writing partner and then you'll know three people on the show. Now,
1: are you guys a writing team on the show together? You do everything together? Yep. We are a team. How, what is that like? Because because people need to understand that when you're a writing team in TV, you're kind of one writer. You are a team. You don't, you're not represented.
2: <laughs> you're a discount writer. You're like a bargain basement writer. These are two for the price of one. <laughs> but I have to say that I cannot even imagine being in this business without a partner. Just for me, it's really great because you go through the highs together and you go through the lows together and the lows are not as bad. And then the highs are greater because you're sharing that with somebody who wants exactly what you want. And, uh, it has to be a perfect marriage. I mean, I think that's the, the key. There's partnerships that just don't work. And ours is great because we complement each other and we get along and it's, it's awesome. It's also nice to work with somebody and have somebody to bounce something off of all the time. Like everything gets vetted before it gets vetted by anybody else because we have each other to to do that with.
1: Now, uh, in a writer's room though, right? So you're in a room and the two of you are there and as a team, you're bouncing ideas off of the room itself, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens or does it ever happen where let's say you pitch, pitch an idea and your, your partner goes, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, you know, you didn't run that by me. I, I'm, no. I'm not so into that.
2: No, no, no. I mean, we are two individuals, so we both have. I mean, we don't share a brain. Okay. Although she's she's if we did, it would be her brain that we would need to share because she's got a really great memory and she's so smart. But <laughs> um, we just pitch whatever we want to pitch, whatever comes out of us, and that's what they want. I mean, they're they're paying for you both to be there and give your two separate ideas, and obviously our two strengths as writers meld together too in the writing. So. No, there's none of that. Like, hey, what are you pitching today? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But there have been times, I have to say, like when we first started working, working on stuff for the first time is a petrifying experience because you're so afraid of getting fired. You're so afraid you're not going to be good enough. You don't know what you're doing. It's all new. And so one of the things that we would do, because it was just so intimidating as we would get together in the morning and we'd have a breakfast sandwich (laughs) and coffee and we would just discuss and talk so that we would have something to say. So we kind of did that. And now we just do our own thing and come in. (laughs) This is just just natural. (laughs) Eh, It's not always natural. I mean, you know, it's not natural uh, necessarily. I mean, some people love being in the room and like bouncing off everybody and some people are quieter. There are writers that don't hardly speak at all and that's okay. I mean, everyone brings whatever they bring to it. And if you have 11 people in your writer's room like we do. It's a big staff. Um, although, you know, you can make that nine because there's two partnerships, the showrunners and us. And so, you know, you're really only one person. Um, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't want that many people speaking a lot during the day. You'll never get through anything. <laughs> never... Now, how did
1: you end up sort of – it looks to me like if, if the night shift, perception, mm-hmm. um, the client list – fairly legal. So, so we're talking procedurals.
2: You know, it's so funny. We do not consider ourselves procedural writers at all. So we've we've written on a legal show, a medical show, a a police show, and then a soap, you know, with client list. And we, we don't see ourselves that way. We see ourselves as drama writers that write with levity as well, you know, as the, as the heart and the emotion. But that's just I don't know our career path has taken it life of its own, <laughs> now,
1: but it, maybe that's what makes you hireable, right maybe that's what makes everybody want to work with you because you're not just seeing it as okay, I have to solve a problem a
2: week mm-hmm. it's
1: how am I mining the the drama from it
2: you know I would say that I would say that must be the case because we're, we don't go out with samples that are procedurals, so I feel like they are hiring us for character and the kind of writing that we do, and then we just try to do the best we can with whatever, we're, you know, with whatever show we're on. So, I what, don't know. That's a good question. Why do we get hired? <laughs> well,
1: you must have learned quite a bit, though, about the structure of these kind of shows. And, you know, even as, you know, you're focusing on the drama and the characters, they're, these are structurally tight, tight shows. Yeah. So, if you could convey to the people listening what... Are some structural patterns that you tend to see with the kinds of shows that you work on?
2: Well, in the in any kind of drama, you're going to want to have really strong act outs that give you some sort of uh, a cliffhanger, so people are going to want to come back, and that might be a reveal, or it might be, you know. uh, What's going to happen next? Uh, you know, you don't know what it is. Or it could be, oh, it, it's a complication. We thought we had the killer, but it's not him because he's dead. <laughs> it's somebody else. We've got to go find him, you know. So it's always something that is bringing you back, but it's something that's also driving the story forward all the time. Um, and then every show has its own sort of template. And I would say... Um, one of the shows that was, was most difficult to write for, for us was perception, which was on TNT and the showrunner is really, really smart and nothing gets past him. He's got, can I curse? Maybe I shouldn't curse. Um, uh, just don't use the <laughs> F word. Okay. Bullshit. Oh, bullshit. Is that oh. one bad? Oh. She's, she's so edgy. <laughs> <laughs> I am curtailing the F words, but no, he, he has a, a high BS factor, so he can, you know, it's, he's the logic police. He knows if something's BS and he doesn't let anything you know get get past his sort of high bar, so that I felt like made us better writers because we had to, we had to do a lot of rewriting and there's that 's usually the case you know in a, a show like that, you just are constantly shaping and twisting and editing out and adding things to the story until it like looks like that show is supposed to look and he had a very specific template, and you know you think you 're hitting it you 're writing it, and you, you read all the scripts, and you watched all the shows before you because we, we came on season three, so we were the only new people which is also intimidating. Um, and then we wrote and rewrote, and then you go, oh, now I know what this show is, but then that show got canceled and we're on the night shift now, so I don't get a chance to like, prove that I, that I learned it <laughs> you know, in, in the next script. But you know.
1: Are you seeing any, 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 because you're also a teacher, are you seeing any changes in trends in telling these kind of stories on
2: TV right now? Are things getting more character-driven, for example? I think they are. And I think they're also trying to get more character. I feel like the network... This is from my experience. I've been on three cable shows and just the one network. And I feel like they're sometimes scared to go into that territory, which is the the sort of new trend is um, a longer series arc that is more important. Like sometimes... In a show, you'll just have like a little tiny, you know, personal runner in a, in a one episode. But now they're having like serialized arcs, which is that's a more difficult thing to do. And I, but I feel like we're seeing that more in television because of because of all the great cable shows out there, and they want to they want that that high caliber material on the network as well. And do you like that? Ah. I, yes I mean i the shows i love <laughs> the shows I love are all probably the shows everybody else loves, which are like Game of Thrones and the Americans and I loved Breaking Bad and Back in the Day the Sopranos. So, yes. So all those serialized kind yeah. of things anyway. So now that you... So um,
1: uh, with Night Shift, uh, is there a serialized component? Are you guys threading something through? There
2: is. Or trying? Or yeah. trying, yeah. There is. I mean, it feels like when you start a season two, you're sort of resetting everything as well. to like For the people that didn't maybe see season one. And then as you move forward, you know, you you already have some of those things established. As you're moving forward, you start to get into the serialized arcs more. So we're sort of getting into that probably more in episode six and seven they pick up. And one of the reasons is because they want to often um, be able to swap out the first five episodes. So you could do, you know, if you're writing episode four, that could end up being number two or number five. So it's hard to, you can't really work on the serialized aspect because it doesn't make sense. Like, wait, I thought they broke up <laughs> and then they're together, you know, and then in, the, in the one before, I don't know. the They next just one. have a really volatile relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's up and down. It's, you know, dynasty. <laughs> now, if you're,
1: let's say you're, um, uh, in your classes, um, do you focus them on original pilots or do you focus them on writing spec material for existing shows?
2: Both. Um, in the first class that I that I have, it's called the Televisionary Writers Workshop, and it's a six-week class, and it's very tool-based, so you learn, like, sets of tools every single week, and you're getting feedback on those every single week, and you can work on a spec or a pilot. And then we have advanced classes that are like the Drama Pilot Lab, Advanced Lab, or the Comedy Advanced Lab, and I feel like you need to do that because, especially for comedy writers, they need to be around other comedy writers who can pitch jokes, mm-hmm. and and that's I kind of run those advanced labs like a writer's room. And so that's kind of something unique that I bring. Because I've been in four very different writer's rooms. And so one of the things they have to do is go pitch their episodes out on the board and get feedback. And they're scared. (laughs) They're always scared to do it. But it's always amazing to watch.
1: So now coming, again, from a teaching perspective, if you had um, people out there like, they okay, I'm going to do my original pilot. What would be the first thing that you would tell them to do or not to do?
2: Hmm. I think one of the first things I would say to do is, Obviously, you have to love and be passionate about it. And I know that sounds like such a like, duh, you should love it and be passionate. But people will just be like, this is a good idea. And but they're not really connected to it. So the key is, how are you connecting to the material, especially as a younger writer breaking in? And by younger, I just mean newer. You what are you bringing to the party that no one else can bring? And so that might be your background or, uh, you know, we like I've worked with writers who are like they're former CIA. Well, that's that's gotten some writers that I know on to state of affairs or you might have a military background. And so you can get on a show that's out. And so you want to have a pilot that illustrates that. And then you want to be able to talk about your experience because they kind of look for that. There's so many staff writers trying to break in that it's what is unique about you that you can bring to the show. So I would, that's my first thing to say.
1: So, so as a good way of selling it for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. now it's like only you can, can write exactly this. Right. Um, as far as laying out, like we were talking last week about sort of what is it that makes it a TV show versus a feature. and
2: <laughs> I think I heard that podcast actually. Uh, yes, uh, I do listen. Um, so so
1: as far as, um, what do you think is the difference between what, if you were testing and saying, okay, this is a show and I know this show has to have legs, mm-hmm. what would be some of the components that you would look for?
2: Well, it's all about, what you're setting up in the relationship dynamics and in their lives that are going to give you story for the next episode and the next episode and the season and the series. So like a lot of times I do read pilots where I'm like okay this is a feature you've turned into a pilot. It feels very contained. Here's your beginning, middle and end and now it's over. So there's nothing that's been teed up to to move, you know, to keep driving the show. Got it. Got yeah. it. So do you think that by the end of a pilot
1: we should have sort of the, the tease of a relationship that we could follow? Or or would you say that it's we're in a world where relationships could spark? Would would you say that,
2: buddy? I think the end it's more I think it's more about for me, I think like arena is always very important, especially in drama. Mm-hmm. I feel like arena is everything. And it's so hard now because it feels like everything's already been done, although then somebody will sell something and you're like, oh yeah, why didn't I think of that one? But it is about the world and what can happen in that world with the types of characters that you've chosen. So it's, it's a relationship dynamics too, because if you have characters that, that are flawed, and you have characters that are maybe oil and water, then you're going to get more out of that. I mean, Breaking Bad's a great example because you have Walt and Jesse, and it's they have the age difference and they have the sort of stage of life difference, and so you get a lot out of those that relationship, and then the world is, you know, the, the crystal meth. So you have, you're, you're drawing scenes and set pieces and moments from the characters, from their relationships, and from the arena. So it's like the, the fact is... It takes a, a stew of many things, you know, many ingredients that go together to make something work. It's, you could have a great arena, but you haven't developed characters that we're engaged with that we want to watch. <laughs> now, how long do you think people should
1: outline when they're, when they're doing a, a, a new pilot?
2: I personally feel like outline is... I feel like the front end of your development from wherever you start conceptually to developing to get to the outline is really crucial. And then when you're in your outline, for me, I try to have a really strong outline before I go to draft. Because rewrites are difficult. And if you have to like, start pulling massive parts of your story out, then you need to go back to the beginning. So I try to get the story right you know, myself and with my writers, I try to get the story right first and then go to outline. It, of course, you're still going to rewrite when you go into draft. Of course, you're going to find different things in the story. And some, you know, some people have a clearer vision. And so they, when they're developing, they get there quicker. And then some people, like I have a consult script that I'm reading today. And I was like, oh, this is massively changed. But that's that writer. That writer takes a longer time to get there, even through the tools and even through the outlines. But I, I'm the kind of person who needs to stay in tools and in outlines, in development work before I move forward. I just, I need it to be really solid. Do you have a, a, a
1: way that you outline
2: that you think might be helpful? Like,
1: um, do you go scene by scene? Do you sort of even bring
2: out dialogue within the scene? Or do you go more big picture? I love that. That's a good question. Um, I go, I sort of, I sort of think in terms of, because I came from the future world, as well. So I started working in features and, and learning features first and teaching features first. Um, I think about like what the arc is going to be. So I kind of of the whole overall picture. So like what sort of the inciting, what's the why now what's kicking off my, my pilot. And I think like, what's a, what's sort of launching us into the world and what's the midpoint and what's the low point and what's the you know climax. So I kind of know that big picture. And then I start knowing what my scenes are and I'll just start listing them. And I try to do it, list the A story scenes, list the B story scenes, list the C story scenes and D and so on. And then I kind of highlight, okay, these could be act breaks. And then I start to feather that in. And then that's the beat sheet. And then once the beat sheet's there and I feel like it's in the right order. And when I say, I I mean, we, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, with Allie, Uh, we, we feather it together. And then when we feel like that's right, then we start fleshing it out. And I kind of like to, she's more of one that would just be like, let's just go and write. But I kind of like to think about it more and go, okay, well, it, it helps me get into the characters in the world if I'm fleshing out my outline and I do put dialogue in it. And I, sometimes we've had, you know, 12-page outlines and there was one outline, but I think is one of our strongest scripts, which I feel like it was 30 pages because it was just practically the, 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 the pilot in prose. And it was a situation where we needed to have something that was a different piece of material, and, so, and we had to do it quickly, so it needed to be more fleshed out so that we were on the right track.
1: And you said you came out of the world of features. Were mm-hmm. you on, on your own as
2: a writer then? Or? Yeah. So, t- tell me about <laughs> that. Well, it wasn't, it it was a lot of struggle. (laughs) Um, I actually, you know, learned, I was learning how to write features. I got a couple of options. I had an assignment with a director who wanted to hire me to write his, his movie that he wanted to have uh, direct. And, uh, you know, to be honest, like one, one producer basically lost his mind. (laughs) Oh, that's fun. (laughs) He basically went crazy. And, and, uh, and I was like, Oh God, this is a disaster. And you know, he sort of fell off and it wasn't, it wasn't the right fit anyway. So that kind of went by the wayside. And then the, the, the assignment I had, I, I don't, you know, he's trying to get the movie made. Who knows, you know, movies take like seven years sometimes or longer to get made. Who knows what will happen with that? But yeah, I wrote by myself and I wrote features and I liked it. I mean, I miss it sometimes, but it's more time consuming and it's not as gratifying as writing on a TV show and then seeing your episode produced. I mean, that's just... Yay so how did, how did that transition happen? Was it through through the fellowships? Uh, pretty much, but I mean, I'll give credit to uh, one of my former friends that she' she was in the business and uh, at the time, and she was like, let's you know you should write your personal story, which is usually like do not write your personal story. It's not very interesting you know what I mean and uh, but I told her about. The town I grew up in, and my family life, and and so it, it, it is kind of unique and interesting because it's, it takes place on a reservation, and there was like a curse, and it was a sort of paranormal as well, but it was a family saga. And she kept saying, "You should write the pilot. You should write the pilot. You should write the pilot." So that's sort of what happened. And then I thought, wow sixty pages or less is so much easier than, you know, a hundred plus that could just, you know, you can get lost in there and everything can can go go in the wrong direction. And I that pilot I got into Fox with. And then I was like, this is great. But the the truth of the matter is that that Fox at the time was called the Fox Diversity Project. I don't even know what it was called, but it's changed. Mm -hmm. Now so now it's of course I'm always a day late and a dollar short. It's better. It's a better program now, but that's what I started in. And I was like, I need to do this again. Cause I need to get into a program that can maybe help launch me. Uh, and so I had been writing with Ali. We had been doing a feature together. There's a long story with that. Um, we were both working with the same producer separately and, I had so many things going on that I wasn't finishing mine and we had lunch and she was like, did you talk to um, Amy recently? And I was like, no, why does she want you to us to partner up? So I'll finish the project. And she's like, no, but, and I'm like, yes, let's do it. And it was great. We wrote a feature over Skype because I was out of the country for a while. It went really well. And then I was like, I need to, and I had done Fox diversity in the meantime, I was doing that. And then she sa- "I said uh, I need to write another pilot." She's like, "Me too." And I'm like, "I want to write a Nurse Jackie." She said, "Okay." And then we got into writers in the verge. Oh, but awesome. you know that m- makes it sound easy. But I had been doing features for many years before that. I, I love mm-hmm. Nurse Jackie. I, I do I too. Like this obsession with Nurse Jackie. <laughs> totally, that's, that's so good.
1: Okay, so so getting to writing for a show like mm-hmm. that that has this huge serialized component. Um, how, how? What advice would you give? writers who are writing specs of existing shows and, and have this problem of, uh, yeah, but there's a whole history there. How do I drop in uh, without uh, disrupting the history?
2: Well, you want to drop in because, you, I mean, for me, I feel like last, last year I read a lot of consult scripts for the programs that were for Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. And so everybody, was their jumping off point was the, the last episode. So all of those specs look the same. Because they were all taking the the serialized arc to the next place that it would sort of organically go to. So I was like, okay, this is not good. You want to slot it in so that it is unique and you want to find that idea. You don't, you know, and and you can go in a different direction, like take a certain character that maybe doesn't have as much playtime or if they've set up something about someone's past or if they haven't set up something about someone's past, but you kind of have an inkling of what it was like, then delve into that and just make a decision and show us what that could be like. So slot it in, don't, don't use the jumping off point because your, your spec will look like everyone else's and don't try to start at the beginning because you, you don't know where they're going to they're gonna go.
1: Now, so, so let's say you, you, know, you slot it in, and you focus on a different character and all that. What do you do with the serialized aspect of it? Do you pay attention to it? So, so let's say you're nodding, you're in the middle, you've, you've chosen the middle of the season with mm. two people who are together who we all know now by the end of the season has broken up. What do you do? Do you make a little note that this would take place in the middle of season three? When <laughs> yes,
2: you would do. You? Yeah. Yes, yes. You say um, previously on, you know, Mad Men, which is a spec that we wrote previously on Mad Men, and you just go, "This is where we're at with it." We're, we're, you know, my episode takes place between episode eleven, you know, it's like twelve point five, and this is what happened before, Interesting. so that you know, so that they go because you know they can't judge you for that, and they can't expect you to be so current and up to date that you're gonna. You're going to go from wherever they've ended forward, you know, and you're not, so like we, for instance, were writing, we wrote a Mad Men and we did a Nurse Jackie and both of those, I think Nurse Jackie was like, we thought it would slot into like between five and and six. So 5.5 and our Mad Men was like 12.5. I think there's 13 episodes. I don't even know. Maybe, maybe it was less, but but we just, you know, said this is what happened before and and then that's it. Because you just, you can't keep up. You can't go, oh, but now they've done this. So it's like, okay, well maybe at the end of the season that person has, you know, shot themselves <laughs> or something. But then you can go back into yours and you can set up a little hint that gives you insight into that person's mind that you can then go, oh, maybe that's why they shot themselves, you know. For instance, in our Mad Men, we were writing and. You know, spoiler alert for season like four I mean, or three. Sorry, you, know? you got to catch up. <laughs> you know, but we were at a Mad Men where Don was in a relationship with. Um, I can't remember her name, but he wasn't in a relationship for very long. I just suddenly forgot she was the the therapist or something like that. Oh, oh, the blonde. Yeah, the blonde. Yeah, what was her name? She was she
1: was like a consultant, like yeah. did marketing consultant. He was it was right before he proposed to his Megan. secretary. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: So so we were going in a direction where like we were taking that relationship a little further, and then we saw and we had already written our our spec, and then we saw that oh, he proposed to Megan. Okay, so we just went back into ours, and we, like, adjusted the storyline, and it was great. It worked better, and it was fine. And what was really interesting, in my opinion, is that... uh I didn't feel like they really earned that proposal, which is fine. I mean, he, he's the character that he is. right? I totally didn't feel like that yeah. either, but
1: I guess that was supposed to be the, the big thing was supposed to shock us. But yeah, but, but yeah, I find, found it annoying.
2: Yeah. I found it a little annoying too. So, so we feel like we wrote the episode where you see why he ends up proposing to her, like what cemented their relationship. Cause it was, it was called the other Betty and it was about, sort of about the Betty Crocker's, you know, did you know about Betty Crocker? She's not like one person. She was cast as, by, you know, as different actresses during the times. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we were, I was fascinated by that. I had a book about it, about all the different Bettys throughout history. And so we were doing an episode where it was like, okay, they're going to modernize Betty Crocker. They're going to do the campaign, like bid for that campaign. And they're going to modernize Betty Crocker. And so it was a really interesting time in the, in the series too, because, you know, Megan represents the more modern woman And Betty is, you know, the sort of 60s, 50s housewife. So, but she was sort of breaking out of that shell a little bit too at the time. So it it seemed to, you know, for us, it was like, (laughs) it's the episode you should, you should have been able to watch. What I I (laughs) like about that too is, so you took the world of advertising again,
1: right? Mm -hmm. And you, you know, in the... The process of trying to solve the problem of of the new Betty Crocker, mm-hmm. it turns his attention to his personal world, exactly. which is Megan, and and now puts her puts that light on her, mm-hmm. and that's what that show does well when it does it right, yeah, which totally. is advertising plus personal, personal and that's thing. we're in for both every week, exactly. and that's that is such a great idea.
2: Yeah, I I, I I we loved it; it was so much fun, and I remember one of the lines was. Uh, and it was before they really got into who he was and wasn't. But the the girl that that ends up getting the part of Betty and is flirting with him and everything, she's like, "Well, I'm not the real Betty," and he's like, "Well, I'm not the real Don Draper either." And she doesn't realize that that's actually true. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah. It was. It was. I mean, I God, I would love to write on that yeah, show. Can somebody please make the show? Oh that's my really God. Good. I mean, Matthew Weiner, please. <laughs> I, I just love that show because it's 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 so strong and very thematic, and the writing is obviously really good and subtextual and. It really resonates with now, me anyway.
1: So now that you're an established writer in the TV world, <laughs> what about your original pilot that, that opened this door to <sighs> begin with? Are Any uh, any traction on that? Um,
2: well, it's interesting because the first couple of years when you're a staff writer, you're a story editor, you're not really allowed to develop. it's mm. a part of your contract. Really? Yeah, because if, if for some reason you have a staff of six or a staff of nine and all those people sell their own shows, then they lose everybody and they have to start from scratch. So they want to make sure they can retain people who have been on the show and understand the show. So you're usually not allowed, which we weren't for the first couple of years. And then uh, I think the last season between uh, Perception and Night Shift was the first season where we started to get out. But we actually pitched. We didn't um, go out with our pilots. So hopefully that will happen now that we're at the co-producer level. Um, we'll see
1: now, you know, what? this may be the first time that, I, that I understand why everybody has different titles because mm. with each title means more freedom, clearly, <laughs> right? Some, yeah. Well, it's sort of an indentured servitude yeah, thing going did, on with, with, with when you're at the staff and story editor level, mm. but the higher you climb, the more freedom you have to, mm. to, to, to go to out go on your own. Everything.
2: Yeah. I mean, for, for instance, if you've been, if you've just gotten high enough up on the food chain, um, and you're un- just right underneath the co EP level, or if you're a co EP or a showrunner who's had shows before and you go on to a show as a consulting producer, that's sort of that floater, um, very high level uh, title where sometimes you can, you can set it up where you come in two or three days a week so that you can go off and develop. Because they don't really like you, even at supervising producer, or producer, or co producer, they don't really want you not focused on their show and they don't want you going to meetings while you're working on their show, whereas as a consulting producer, you can. Got it. Yeah. That's the, the, that's the, that's a good job. (laughs) I think that's something also to think about if you're taking a
1: TV class or you're starting to write something, sometimes you, you probably find this as a teacher. I know when people come into my classes, they go, I'll just take anything. Right. So they're developing a pilot and they're like, Mm. yeah, I'll, I guess I'd be a staff writer. Like really you would guess you would be a staff writer if you really want to be a staff writer Along with this original pilot comes other material that you have to do, and you have to market yourself in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. Then there are people who might come out of the feature world, and you know maybe their best bet is to go for that original pilot and just sell the pilot or just sell the show, I should right. say. And they need to know they they may not even be writers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on it so these are these are different career paths and i don't think that everybody sort of understands now the tv's trending so much everybody's yeah. like i'm just gonna write tv you know yeah. but there are all these different ways to go could can you elaborate on that a little bit and tell everybody sort of you know if if they were thinking about tv some of the the Avenues. things to think about
2: yes well it's interesting as a feature writer you if you're, I mean, everyone thinks feature writers amazing. So you can probably sell your own show and maybe you'll be on it. Maybe you won't, but it's the same as if you're a, a, a writer who's never been staffed and you sell a pilot, like good for you. That's awesome. But a, it, you probably won't be on your own show. You'll probably just be not even included or end up getting booted off. Or if you're on it and suddenly you're a supervising producer cause they gave you that title or a co-producer or a co-executive producer. Um, First of all, they'll never let you be a showrunner because you've never done it before, and they're crazy if they because it's so much money that they are putting into your hands as an inexperienced person. But they they don't usually give that job to anybody because you haven't even been staffed. And if they did, if you got the uh, really high level position, everyone's going to resent the hell out of you because they in the room because they've been like working their. A- butts off to go, (laughs) to go up the ranks, you know what I mean? And really learn and be in the trenches and go through all the things that you go through when you're, you know, on different shows. And some of them are like really great experiences and some of them aren't. Um, so if you just, you know, collect $50 and pass go or whatever and you're just up there at the top like no one respects you anyway. I don't think you want to be a writer who just has never been sapped and sells their own show unless you've had a feature career or you've had a huge you know, web series that's then going to become a pilot or something else that gives you some credibility.
1: But let's say that okay, so I, I'm going to sell my show about the wacky world of being a script consultant. Only <laughs> I can sell this show. It's it's based on my life, okay. Mm-hmm. And I I pitch this to a network and they like it. Um, what would most likely? Let's say that now mm. I I'm not interested and in, I don't have to be in the room or mm. whatever. What would be? The buy off title. What would yeah. they now make that person? What would they make me? A creator? creator.
2: Okay. Yeah. Creator's not bad. Creator's great and you're gonna get paid for as long as that show goes as a creator and it looks good. It look, you know, hey, you created a TV show. You might sometimes you have to share that credit with somebody else. Like if somebody else comes on and like the showrunner comes on and like rewrites you significantly, you may share that that title with that person, but it's not a bad gig. I mean, you get the money if you're not interested in having an actual career where you're working in the industry and selling more pilots then fine. Okay. So, so now I'm, I'm the creator Mm -hmm. and I decide, you know what, I'm
1: going to write a pilot that isn't necessarily about me. Mm -hmm. Um, don't you think that as the creator of such and such, I would have more access as far as, as, Bringing that Mm -hmm. out, and now I have some previous experience. Mm -hmm. So if somebody did make me co EP, the writers' room might not resent quite as much.
2: True. And if your show did well Mm -hmm. and was a hit, and I've heard stories like this where that's happened, if your show does really well and it's successful. I know of a writer, I don't know personally, who who wrote a show, didn't like, I think chose not to be on it so that she could staff and keep like moving up the food chain. If she were to then sell another show and that her show's a hit, like then everyone thinks, oh, this is a hit maker. Ah. (laughs) This is a person who knows how to create a, a, a working piece of television.
1: Got it. I just, and just to let you know, there's no show about being a wacky <laughs> script consultant because that would be the most boring
0: show ever. I I've know. secretly it could been be filming the whole time I've known you, so <laughs> no, no, it'll be out very soon.
2: Again, that's a snooze <laughs> right there. <No. laughs> I'm sure it would be really interesting. Be, I'm sure it'd be a really great reality TV show, too. Like, no. I'd be obsessed. No, no. It's <laughs> terrible. No. No. I okay. <laughs>
1: oh, there's a lot of this. Just me looking at a script, turning the page. No, here I am again. Oh, I'm turning another page. I'm putting my glasses on. I'm taking them off. Oh, now I'm getting something to eat. Yes. That's always fascinating. That's the best part.
2: <laughs> Those trips to the fridge. There she goes again. But I'd be like, what is she eating? Oh my God, look at Look where she's getting her food from. <laughs> she's wow. fancy. Lemonade again. I've got to go there.
1: Uh, I, I, what, about, what about comedy? Have you ever um, uh, clearly, you know, drama- is, is, mm. is what you do right now, and clearly you do it well. Uh, have you ever sort of tiptoed around the world of comedy?
2: I mean, I, I consider Nurse Jackie to be a dramedy, you mm-hmm. know, so there is a lot of humor in it, and we like to bring that kind of humor, but our humor comes from like character and a darker, like our dark senses of humor. It's not like, but I'm bump jokes. I wouldn't want to do that kind of show, uh, but I would love to do something like. Obviously, we all would like a transparent or an archer or something like that but i haven't I haven't tried i was uh
1: been trying in in my classes' it's like i I'm learning as I teach, it's that's because awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching TV right now, but I'm expanding it like every class. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm like, I want to talk about this now. Ah, and I'm trying to figure out sort of like how to teach the difference between comedy and drama and the pages. And if you look at the pages, like mm-hmm. there's an immediate, D- distinct difference in terms of the action lines that constantly interrupt the flow mm. of dialogue and drama because what that does is now the camera sort of moves onto the face or, mm. or a gesture. It slows everything down. Whereas with comedy, we want to keep that pace going. It's all about the words. It's all about the, the dialogue. Um, any other sort of distinct differences that you tell your writers in, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, like let's say they've, they're doing a comedy but they've made it more dramatic than they need (laughs) to,
2: or vice versa. Any, any tips? Well, sometimes I kind of believe that as you write, your project will find its tone. And sometimes a tone is a, is a darker comedy and sometimes it's more, uh, it's more jokey comedy. And so you have to let that be and breathe and be what it is and that's okay. And if, you know but if their goal is like i want to be on network then you need to have it's it's a different kind of medium you need to have the jokes you need to have the the it's a it's a little funnier it's more grounded on something like a cable show so i just think you do it you know you do what kind of show you want to do and that's it really i mean i don't know if i have i mean it would be a whole lesson plan on yeah, like yeah. how you you know how to how to write comedy um it is denser on the page and you do need to have your you know your set piece moments all the way through and you need to be laughing. I mean, I've read, read scripts where I'm like, Oh, this person is really funny, but it's not coming across on the page. And that's just something that you have to keep working at and working at. And the suggestions would be take, you know, UCB, be in the groundlings, get your writers group friends together, have them pitch jokes on your piece, you know, work in classes where you're pitching jokes and you can like learn those skills that's the main recommendation. I think as a comedy writer, I believe, and I've, I just had a meeting with a manager uh, talking about comedy and talking about clients. Not for myself. I don't. I don't. Not for me, but for my clients. And he said the very same thing. Like they need to sort of start building their tribe because they. Comedy, you know, it's always who you know as well. And for comedy, it's like, oh, we know this guy; he's really funny, and so you should be doing stand up and you should be doing sketch comedy and getting yourself out there. So that's like that's also a recommendation. Are you, you know, doing that? Like Ryan's a stand up. <laughs> that's Awesome, but Ryan. Don't you think? I
1: think uh, I was thinking also with with comedy, it's always about the specificity. Yeah, you know, it's it's not just saying um, if you describe, oh, uh, I don't know, somebody as boring, right? Yeah. You don't just say they're boring. That's not funny, right? Sure. You would be very specific about the kind You'd of say boring he, they are. He's
0: like Woody Allen's last three movies. Exactly. Right.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: right. Thank okay, you. Okay. I really like Woody Allen's last three movies. <laughs> okay. We'll, no. we'll fight about that later. <laughs> we,
0: no, we were but, just talking about Woody Allen uh, really? last podcast.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay. But but uh, specificity needs to be in drama too. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Like, people will write writers will write something where it's just it's in generalizations, and it's like that comedy that or the depth comes from the specificity. So I think Which it works kind of, both ways.
1: It uh, brings us back to the medical show that you're on right yeah. now. Like you can do the night shift without the specifics of the medical world. <laughs> and one thing that that Dr. Zach was saying when he was on, you know, is he is a medical consultant. He teaches people how to speak medicalese. Right. So part of what you do in minding the drama is also sort of speaking that language. You have to be mm-hmm. very specific yes. about how people are phrasing their Feelings mm-hmm. or their, or their, yeah. what they're showing their skills. Exactly. Um, has that been fun for you or is that challenging?
2: No, I mean, I, I would have to say it was like, wow, I've been on a procedural, like a police procedural and a legal show, and we've relied much more on our medical consultants than we did on the other two. I mean, obviously legal as well, but we've all watched enough Dateline and, you know, murder mystery shows to, to pick up some things on our own. But with the processes, you can hand your script in and just say medical, medical, and then have Dr. Zach um, or John Fong. There's two of them on there, Zach Letsky and John Fong. You can have them help you fill that in. But what my partner and I did was we would talk to Zach and we would talk to John and we would like, get that in our head and we would put that in the outline. And then when it came to writing the scenes, it would be like, okay – so this is what's happening. Somebody's just gotten, you know, a hit and run. They're, they're like on the ground. They're not, they're like, okay, are they conscious or are they not conscious? Not conscious. Okay. Well, so this is what could be happening. So we, usually, they would just talk us through or, or type out like all the possible things that they could, could happen to his, to his body or what they would be doing. And then we would pluck the stuff out that we found interesting and then write the scene ourselves. And we tried as much as possible to, to incorporate the medical on our own rather than saying medical, medical and letting somebody else fill it in for us. Excellent. So that, you know, you, I, I, this is a, th- I think you want, um, someone to read your script and have it be as, as strong as possible. You don't want to have like placeholder here. Right. Feel authentic.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, is that a consultant credited as a writer or a consultant?
2: Actually, Zach is a, is a co-producer okay. because he's also a, a writer. And so he writes an episode and he also is the, you know, consulting, doing all the medical. Gotcha. And then John, I have to say, I don't know what his title is because he's getting an episode and I didn't, we didn't expect that because he hasn't before. Okay. So he might just be a, a consulting producer. Well, when, Zach, a good question. when Zach was taking
1: my class, um, he had been a medical consultant and he had written shows for the, but he hadn't been, con- you know, he wasn't mm. sort of like in that writer, uh, title yet but when mm-hmm. he was on Night Shift they took him on as a writer that's what he was so excited gotcha. about
2: oh, wait. Yeah. really? Yeah. So he hadn't written, oh, he, had he, written, written oh, he had written episodes
1: he had written but he right. hadn't had that title
2: it no, was the, the medical cons- consultant yeah. who
1: was writing right? right so that was for, for his right. other shows right. so this is I think I, I know, it's, it's a big deal right? he's probably going to yell at me no, no. you
2: got it all wrong <laughs> no. but that was that was my
1: uh, interpretation. No, I, I, I
2: think you're right and I think like they are producing the medicine so much that they think they deserve to have the producer title behind them because they're, they're going on set and they're also choreographing and saying, okay, this is what you would be doing so that it looks real and active and busy. And and they, you know, they're teaching these guys how to stitch, do stitches and, and intubate and do all those things. So it's like, you have to, and
1: he has a great sense of story too, because yeah, working does. as an ER doctor, um, you know, I mean, the stories that sort of hit him daily. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's yeah. almost unfair. It is. You know? I know. It's like, yeah, it's an advantage. He gets it's all great... these sick people right in front of him. Right. Hey. right.
2: Exactly. But going back to just what you said about like what you're going to write and what you bring to the table, like that's one of the things like I have, re- have worked with writers who are former lawyers or former cops or former whatever, and they're not writing the pilot that illustrates that. And I'm like, you're crazy because that is your best way in like whatever your background is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have a, a forensic scientist in, in one of
1: my groups and she <laughs> loves writing romantic comedies. She is very, very <laughs> talented. And, uh, I pushed her and she, she finally sort of wrote something for me but her heart was clearly in romantic comedy
2: I wonder if she could do a romantic comedy that had a medical aspect to it yeah maybe
1: maybe it's it's really fun though because like all of her pages on the other side are like all these like blood tests and (laughs) samples and it's all nasty stuff um I am, I, I could talk to you clearly all day, <laughs> Same um, but have a writing group coming in so and good. I know Ryan also has to get back to his beautiful baby and, oh, and beautiful wife. Thanks. Thanks. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up, but I want to, I want everybody to, uh, check you out. Where do they go? to see uh,
2: script anatomy. They can uh, check out classes uh, at www.scriptanatomy.com and also find me on Facebook and Twitter.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
2: Excellent. And just under your name, uh, you can find me on under T beta or you can find script anatomy. On either Facebook or Twitter, Excellent. and that's probably the more active account. <laughs> I don't Script tweet anatomy. very much. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Script anatomy and easier to pronounce.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they'll be that's like, what, the, how
2: do we spell this? You know,
1: that's why I became on the page, right? Pilar Alessandra is such a mouthful, right? So I didn't ever expect anybody to remember that. So, so. But it I,
2: is I, memorable, and it, it's easier than Attacharia, which has a BH, which is, like, what is that?
0: <laughs> I should just start going by, like, white guy comedian.
2: White guy comedian. <laughs> I think that's good branding
1: yeah, for
0: you, right? That's Ryan. good for me. When right? I think
1: You're of white guy comedians, I think of you. So there you go. Perfect. Yay. Do you know, I think, I think Pat has some kind of weird man crush on you because he's constantly... When we're watching TV, he's always like, that guy looks like Ryan Buds. That's a Ryan Buds type right there. Oh,
0: my God. Uh, On the page, listeners, if you want to see a guy that looks exactly like me, there's a guy. Oh, yeah. Did you see this guy? A German guy unboxing a HP laptop. And it's just a tech uh, YouTube channel. It's the exact replica of me. He makes all the same facial expressions same beard same hair i mean it's like it was bizarre people always tell you oh you look like this person and this guy i went to high school with goes i thought this was you doing a german accent for like a sketch and it was it was not how
1: weird is that and so i've bet-
0: reached out to him and i'm like we need to meet do
1: you think he, he can tell a joke
0: uh i don't know it would be in german <laughs> he's
1: german Ooh, it's a german,
2: so there it's a german, you german go. So this is a very
1: <laughs> somber version of, yeah, of yeah, ryan buzz that's
0: hilarious bring him on the show i should get him on
2: okay that would be good. funny I, that would be interesting. I'm, I'm game. I'm gonna. Two I'm not, I'll listen to that. <laughs> this is a
0: great storyline for the show about the crazy script consultant's life. Oh, right? Do you think? Two yeah. doppelganger producer. Yeah, <laughs> be great.
1: Telling you, boring, boring <laughs> show. Um, everybody, go to onthepage.tv. Um, uh, at the time this comes out, I think the, the first draft class will all be all be up and rolling. So check out the TV class. Um, it is, uh, I think. February. um, It's second week in February and it's on a Sunday and it's uh, 10 to 4. And um, I sort of run through everything pretty quickly. I I help you sort of break story, outline, get sort of into what your pilot is. And we do an overview of what your series is. So I think it's a, a good class for knowing what your show is, knowing what your Pilot intention is And having a way in And then when you're done with that Then you go over to Tanya's six-week class And you really, really work it out How about that? Sounds good? Sounds good to me All right, excellent (laughs) Excellent And uh, uh, Ryan, where should people go to follow
0: you Or the German dude who looks like (laughs) you? You can follow uh, Guten No, uh, you can follow at Ryan Buds R-Y-A-N-B-U-D-D-S And uh, tweet me And I'll send you (laughs) the doppelganger of myself Excellent
1: Excellent. I also have a a doppelganger out there. I do. Oh, yeah? Yeah, except that she's much taller and fitter. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of course. Her name is Sue Payne. Oh, okay. And uh, we are friends, actually. And we... I was in Phoenix and uh, got together with her, and we actually showed up wearing the same thing, which was odd. But yeah, we have completely matching teeth, and oh. sometimes when we see pi- pictures of each other, we're like, "Wait, is that me?" Yeah, yeah. But yes, and
0: I understand Sue helps you make your script worse. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> is that what she does? <laughs> yes,
1: that's right. She's the bizarro. The
0: bizarro Pilar. <laughs>
1: But also she's an amazing uh, musician and singer, so uh, do check out uh, Sue Payne. Um, uh, I want to thank Lon Thomas for his donation. of $50. Lon is like our angel. He always donates to the show. $50. Thank you so much, Lon Thomas. If anybody wants to to contribute to On the Page and help pay our producers, go to onthepage.tv and go down to the podcast section. I think that's all that I'm going to pitch today. I think that's it. All right. Happy 2015. Thank you so much for for being here, Tanya. Really, really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Kalaya. Thank you, Ryan,
1: for producing. Always. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a good writing week.